Hey everyone, welcome to Bean to Barstool Bite-Sized, where we spend about five minutes with some of our favorite people from craft beer and craft chocolate. Today we talk with Dr. J. Nicole Jackson Beckham, the principal behind Crafted for All, a consultancy that helps craft beverage companies and organizations be more inclusive, equitable, and just, as well as the founder and executive director of Craft by EDU, a nonprofit whose mission is to champion those same goals in craft beer through education and professional development. I spoke with Dr. J last year about descriptive tasting language for beer, how culturally informed those vocabularies can be, and how the tasting experience can be used to invite newcomers into craft beer. Recent articles by beer writers Mark Dredge and Courtney Eisman, which I'll link to in the show notes, inspired me to release this segment from our conversation. I began by asking Dr. J about her reaction to an early episode of Bean to Barstool, in which I had discussed beer-flavored descriptions like barnyard and horse blanket, and how they helped me realize how culturally coded and potentially exclusionary the established beer flavor lexicon can be. It just had this moment of clarity, or perhaps a moment of just kind of perfect empathy when you were talking about someone who, you know, your own familiarity with those types of environments, whether they're rural or um, just kind of pastoral, right, filled with animals, um, that that was a kind of easy connection for you. And that, you know, I was on the other end of the spectrum where I had very few opportunities in my life to be close to a horse. So things like barnyard and horse blanket, there isn't a very fast, you know, visceral connection for me. So, you know, I love wild beers. Um, I like sours. But I think some of the things that are associated with those types of flavor profiles, I've really had to like train myself on almost a blind association. So it's almost like I've learned the flavor association by drinking those beers. And now I know to call that horse blanket, but not the other direction. When you were tasting those beers and hearing other people use terms like horse blanket or barnyard or hay or things like that, did you assume that everybody else knew what those were and you were the only one? Or did you recognize right away that that was a cultural difference? Maybe somewhere in the middle. You know, I think the kind of vocabulary of beer styles and, you know, learning is so unique, but so codified. You know, my first entry was into BJCP in, in 2011. And part of the BJCP test is protocol around the the judging table. And I think there's just so much, so much ritual, so much protocol, so much codification around the processes that you just assume that like everybody else knows what's up and what you're doing is this odd exception, right? So I think it took me a good long time to kind of come around to that realization that you know, yeah, of course, these these are things that are connected to geography. They're connected to history. So there are obviously cultural experiences kind of embedded in, in beer styles and descriptors. And, you know, it, it's kind of one of those like knock you over the head and you're like, oh yeah, I probably should have realized that early on. I will say that I, I probably would attribute a lot of the more accessible use of language to, to the hazy IPA. Like I actually think the hazy IPA has kind of open things up and maybe like 
broken things in ways that have really just like blew the doors off a little bit. I mean, a good example is, you know, I have two older brothers and we get on the sibling chat every once in a while, every time they have a beer, they send a picture to me. Uh, and my middle brother, he, he said, you know, well, you know, I don't like hoppy beer. Right. And I was just like, no, I don't know that because hoppy doesn't mean anything anymore. Like hoppy could mean like bracingly bitter or tastes like orange juice. Like we have no reference for what hoppy means anymore. And, you know, Lily Waith in the UK wrote that beautiful piece about the post-modernity of, of the hazy IPA as it kind of is a destroyer of categories and hierarchies and orthodoxies. And I think in a way it did just kind of break open things. I mean, even if you think about the ways that these words kind of fall upon our intellectual perceptions, like juicy is such a kind of pop culture type word, right? Even hazy itself, right? Like it's not, it's not cloudy, you know, there's not like particulate in it, right? Like it's, they're very, um, they're very kind of kitschy pop words. And, and I think in some ways they've been an invitational for people to kind of come in and talk about beer. Like, yeah, juicy, you're allowed to use words like juicy, like come, come into the table and talk about this fluffy lactose IPA or whatever you have in front of you. And, you know, I am on record as being a giant fan of the style, but I think in that regard, it's done some interesting things in the way that we think about style and language. But I mean, this is for me, actually one of the more interesting experiences of beer, right? Like on one hand, you have this way that the language can be deployed so that it's very gatekeeping, right? Like it can shut folks out. And on the other hand, it can be this really interesting, special way to reach people, you know? I am, I'm, as much as there is a kind of exclusivity to that, that language and some of the things that are happening, it can just as easily kind of flipped on its side and made into a really engaging invitation. And that's, that's super interesting. To me. I mean, it's so interesting, even in the space of kind of diversity, equity, and inclusion work, people talk about like reaching to communities who are underrepresented in craft beer, right? Trying to cultivate new relationships. One of the first ideas that comes up for everybody is like beer class, right? We'll do some beer education. And I was like, why do we always have to be teaching? When do we make space to be taught or to co-teach or to collaborate? And I always just think that's such an interesting phenomena, right? That we always kind of come with this imparting of knowledge posture rather than something a little bit more flexible. For me, there's just this like really awesome willingness of exchange when you're kind of at that precipice, right? When you're like, this is a new thing. There's something I'm bringing and there's something I'm ready to receive. And I think that's, that's the space where we as a kind of craft beer community maybe can be more inviting of others, right? Rather than kind of seeing it as, oh, we're bringing you into the club, right? And like, here's your membership card, and here's the uniform. More of kind of like, this is a place where people often walk up to a permeable barrier with a lot of excitement, with a lot of willingness to give and to take. And I think if we if we were kind of less invested in teaching the way it is and more invested in finding these points of exchange, I think we'd be more welcoming. 
The sensory experience of tasting beer can engage our memories, emotions, and imaginations, and interface with our personal identities and backgrounds. When we approach this process with vulnerability, the tasting experience can serve to teach us about ourselves and about those around us. As Dr. J explained, when we come to the tasting experience with other people as a way to learn rather than just as a way to teach or even to show off our own knowledge, we can both welcome new people to one of our favorite interests and deepen our own appreciation for that interest. We are all better off when everyone is welcome at the table. You can listen to the full conversation I had with Dr. J at the link in the show notes. The music today was by my dear friend Anna P.S. My name is David Nelson. Thanks for listening to Bean to Barstool Bite-Sized. Mm-hmm.